0: It started with a dysfunctional family. It escalated to a mass killing. And even then, it went one step further a haunting that drove a family away. The Amityville horror has everything a good scary story needs. But how much of that story is actually true? Let's find out this week on the Gems of History podcast. Dramatic music. Is this for you guys? We, signed Little Wayne
1: to do a rap in between. Oh yeah. The intro and the actual Oh
2: yes, podcast? yes. Yep. It's actually on his newest album, Thaw Harder, I think seven. <laughs> he's on. He yeah. is wow. releasing another yeah. one
0: soon. So.
2: Do you think he'll include a Packer song?
0: I hope so. I don't. But well, wait. What would his song be now? Do you think he's going to be a Jets fan now? That Aaron what is like, like a fifty-eight-year-old
2: no, I mean like rap about? It? Do you think he's still, like, really Boy, get it he's in He's not there? that old. I was being dramatic. Oh, my sciatic nerve
0: acted <laughs> up the other day. So.
2: Yeah. little <laughs> Lil Wayne is, oh, he's only 40. I apologize to everyone.
0: <laughs> Dude, he got into this game young. I guess kind of what happens when you're a successful rapper.
2: Well, and also, like, the son of Birdman, who's also another famous rapper.
0: Yeah, I mean doesn't help when your dad just flies away, but I'm not a rapper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh. Speaking of rappers, welcome to the Gems of History podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Jacob Shop. With me as always is Evan (laughs) Roosh. Hey, folk. That was the one that I think may be the biggest stretch. (laughs) (laughs) So you're thinking we're going to get DMs about that one? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the one that we get. (laughs) Well, who was it that just said that he's the second best white rapper? Did you see that? I don't remember who it was mgk i
2: was about to say that MGK <laughs> i don't think it was mgk oh,
0: speaking of mgk though mark's here Mark- <laughs> he's spent- my first initial lines yeah. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm happy to be back
0: segways you know they they work sometimes how are you doing Se- buddy
1: segway isn't that like the thing you ride yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> they do work most of the time i think
0: except for the guy who invented, invented it because he drove it off a cliff that's not a thing. No, that's no, it's a real, hundred percent
2: true. That is historical fact.
1: Yeah, I get all my gems of history from here.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you didn't
0: even have to take a shot for that trivia <laughs> no, question. No, no I didn't.
2: <laughs> oh we should have prepared trivia. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, no, that's no, a, a good miss. old pastime, yeah, good old days. That would take yeah. like forty-five minutes of the
0: episode. Honestly, yeah, it's the first time all three of us have been on together in a while. So yeah. well, welcome
2: back, while, Mark. Yeah.
1: Thanks, thanks. Happy to be here.
2: Yes, everyone, clap wherever you are. I want you to clap. I feel like and that's pretty enough,
1: soon, it. me being here is going to be like, they're going to know what what kind of genre of history they're going to be getting. We
0: didn't even yeah. plan out to have you on for a spooky topic. This was just what we had in the lineup next. And we're like, well, we should have a guest on. And we're like, well, let's see what Mark's doing. And then- <laughs> It just kind of worked out. And it's like you know who's the Fair biggest enough. fan of horror movies, but also gets scared. Oh, very <laughs> scared. Is. Speaking of horror movies, you should see they're making another Insidious now. Yeah, and I will be there I, day one. I, I was like, <laughs> are the, they really? I was like, Mark is going to be so pumped. I'm so
1: pumped. I've seen every single one, dude. Okay, we gotta have movies. a night
0: where we watch those because I've only seen the first three. I they,
1: think. in my opinion, they all hold up. People can say like they have their favorite, and and that's good. But I think they're all good. Is
2: this number five?
1: This is, I think, six. six. Yeah. They're going for like
0: one of the Rings no no No, it's it's five five. it is
1: five because four was the keys one yeah Yeah. Yeah, but this one has like
0: a lot of the original cast members in it and stuff I just hope Elise
1: is back it's the old woman I don't know if she's gonna be in there she
0: was in the trailer but I think it was like just flashbacks yeah Eh, it could
1: be she's starting to ask a little too much money she (laughs) She shows up I've never seen her in another
0: thing other than those movies (laughs) (laughs) she's like we have to make six of these because I need
2: money yeah her contract literally says we'll make six of these this is
0: like this is like when they sign on for ten Fast and Furious movies, except she did it for Insidious. Oh What's God. so
1: funny about those is that the first half is like really really scary. The last half is just a superhero film where she's oh, the superhero. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. She's like punching demons left and right. But that's, and she's a feeble old woman. Yeah, but it's that's she's the same with
0: like uh, the Conjuring too, where they they like fight that devil in the bedroom oh, yeah. and stuff like that. It's oh, like yeah, that's yeah. pretty much a, a superhero. Uh, movie you're too. absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. and the and
2: Doom Slayer is just in the corner, like what the hell. <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> found that scary movies are really mostly only scary up until the big reveal where you see the entity oh yeah and once you've gotten full-blown exposure you're like this is pretty dumb but that's <laughs> or what or
0: insidious not. does well is because they like give you glimpses of the bane baddie and yeah. even when you see him in the movie they oh, it's still like, yeah it's still just like a quick little scene yeah what so did you just it. call
2: it the Big baddie, yeah. or ba- oh, I thought you said the bane baddie at first. So like like a big baddie, I was like, Man. "Oh, I'm the devil! Yeah.
0: <laughs> you didn't expect me!" Uh, like
2: I saw Darth Maul when I watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the
1: person, the child, is like. This guy's pretty lame.
0: I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. Elise, you see in this? Can you imagine He's being
2: a ghost this. and you get booed by the, yeah. the kid you're scaring? Like, like, send me a real one.
0: <laughs> uh, but speaking of scary movies, this is a segue that's actually gonna work. We're talking about Amityville today. We're talking about the Amityville horror, as most people know it as. Uh, obviously there's been a bunch of movies and there's been a very successful book written about it. So Most people in America, at least I'm sure, know at least some sort of passing information about the Amityville horror. Um, 2005, I believe, was the Ryan Reynolds movie, which is what I was first familiarized to the story with. Totally forgot he was. How'd you feel about that movie? It's good. I just watched the original one for the first time, which everyone I,
1: well, actually, more so based on stuff I was reading before this. We're like, oh, that one is the one. Like, it's,
0: it's way ch- more true to what the story oh, is. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the Ryan Reynolds one is more embellished. Gotcha. Um, it's not a bad movie. I still enjoy it. It's still entertaining, but they definitely take a lot more liberties with it and make it a lot more Hollywood. Would
1: you say it's much more paranormal?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. The first one is like it's really good. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Okay. It's got the it. It's obviously from the '70s. It's from '79, yeah. so it's really uh, it's got that campy kind of feel to it. It's really fun. Yeah. I'll so. tell you
1: what my favorite part about this whole thing was. Once I'm, it's gonna come up. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Mark wanted to go in mostly blind for this one, so we're gonna be telling him a story today. Did anyway.
2: in the Ryan Reynolds one? Did did they have the green slime?
0: I think so.
2: I was about to say, I remember... i almost like, positive. This was, that was my first ever scary movie. I watched it way too young. <laughs> and I saw Slime. I'm like, oh, it's so like Slime from Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Stole my joke. Pass.
0: Anyway, that's good. But it was interesting too, reading about the different movies, because the actors for the first one, like the original, didn't believe the story really. Mm-hmm. And... uh Ryan Reynolds and his counterpart in the movie I don't remember who should, what actress is his wife in the movie but they said that they believed the story. So oh. it, it, it was interesting hearing the different perspectives the actors took going into it and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But stories got to start somewhere, don't they? Yeah. So let's go all the way back to the beginning where Amityville originated. Well, not the town, but the story. That's
1: going way back. (laughs) Right. So in 1695, (laughs)
0: the Pilgrims. Yeah. So Amityville, New York is situated on the south shore of Long Island in New York. And in the 1970s, it was home to nearly 10,000 residents. Seven of those residents were the DeFeo family, made up of Ronald DeFeo Sr. and his wife, Louise DeFeo, with kids Ronald Jr., Dawn, Allison, Mark with a C, and John Matthew.
2: How do you feel about being present at at these events?
0: That's why I specified Mark with a C. Yeah. Kind of disappointed it was Mark with a K, honestly. <laughs> but no, pretty fitting.
1: Pretty for, fitting.
2: For a second, you were like, wait, was that? Oh, it was a C. That's a C. Why Many you, things
1: are known to happen when I'm around again. Yeah. <laughs> That's why
0: you're a survivor and he's not. Yeah. Because you're spelled with a K. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very bad thing to say about this kid, knowing what comes yeah, soon. Right. But from outward appearances, the DeFeos looked like another normal and well-to-do family in the quiet village of Amityville. Ronald Sr, who is also known as Big Ronnie, was a successful car salesman which provided his family with a comfortable lifestyle. Is that
1: in reference to his body size or? He
0: was a large man, yes like think I love that think like mob boss that's him like comically like little little legs, huge torso.: Yes, like a Batman mob boss like that is the that is big Ronnie defense. All right I love it. They
2: also had a dog I'm really I didn't check the breed of the dog, but I really hope the family dog was like a small one because i love the dynamic of huge like absurdly big dude and absurdly small dog oh, that's my yeah. favorite no, we're combo we're basically
0: dealing with kingpin here. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, honestly think of well, in in new york the, yeah. Think, yeah think of in the robert pattinson batman movie the guy that plays penguin yeah that's what this guy looks like except without like facial scars and wow stuff. but okay. yeah he's he's a big boy all right Uh, But he was a successful car salesman, provided his family with a comfortable lifestyle in a three-story lakeside property in Amityville. His wife, Louise, was a former model. Their home boasted a swimming pool and a boat dock, along with life-size portraits of the family inside the home that hung on the walls. One of their neighbors described the DeFeos as a, quote, nice, normal family, end quote. Another neighbor remembered how the family befriended her after her husband passed away. But not everything was flowers and sausages in the Amityville home behind closed doors. What if I don't like sausage? What well, if I don't like flowers? Then you're in the wrong... Oh, no. Fair enough! Ah. Then, well, for the sausage aspect, you're in the wrong state then. Because yeah, <laughs> that's right. like kind of our thing. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah that's uh, For the record, I like it. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're,
2: we're both holding... <laughs> that, that might gun be gun the point. most controversial <laughs> thing we'll say <laughs> yeah. today.
0: Yeah. Although appearances showed that Big Ronnie could provide for his family, a lot of the family's money actually came from Louise's father. He purchased the family's home for them and gave them around fifty thousand dollars for those family portraits to be made. And it took like a year to make these portraits because they were so realistic. Are these like hand
1: painted or something.
0: Yeah. Oh my. And like $50, people, fifty thousand dollars in yeah. the this time, like what
2: a
1: deal.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's, that's as much you? as that's probably as much as they paid for the house because as oh, oh, yeah. was co- then. coming up, we'll get a valuation on the house, but it was like pretty close to 50. So how things
1: have changed. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but these portraits were like so realistic. Walgreens, that they, can I get a house instead of my picture? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're going to the photo booth, like please. Right. And they're like, do you want paper or plastic like, <laughs> for a house? Sir, yeah. this is a title to a home. Yeah. <laughs> Big Ronnie's in-laws had actually disliked him at first, and they disliked him enough that they cut ties with their daughter for a time, up until the time when the couple had their first kid, Ronald Jr., who would otherwise be known as Butch. From a young age, Butch had a rough go of it. According to his uncle, Big Ronnie would push his son up against the wall pretty hard if he did anything wrong, and at school, it wasn't really that much better because Butch was an overweight kid so he constantly got made fun of by the older kids getting nicknames like the blob or pork chop. Ooh, pork chop is a tough. That that's a, a tough one. Or, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that's a little a, too much to the point. Like you if know. you get
0: the blob
2: it's like well that could also be a superhero so take that but pork chop there's just
0: no coming i almost think the blob is more insulting because it's so different like i never hear someone call someone else the blob i guess but like the blob
1: is so over the top it's almost a little like wow that's ridiculous (laughs) right but pork chop is like to stick a knife but pork chops (laughs) are pretty
0: lean most of the time so it's like I don't know if that's really an insult. Really <laughs> you know, animalized. we gotta, we, we, we we gotta make to these the things. Fat density of the meat <laughs> Listen, these are 70%, 30%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. By the time he was 11, Butch had two younger sisters and a younger brother. And after the birth of their fourth child, Louise actually separated from Big Ronnie. But he eventually won her back by writing her a song called The Real Thing, which was performed by jazz singer Joe Williams. Do you have it? I can find it. I'll play a little bit. I don't know know if we can play it in the actual audio because I don't know if we'll get copyright strikes for it. Okay. No, I don't
1: need you to. I just need you to read me a line.
2: Twitter jazz is just going to be all over us. Ooh. Sounding like every jazz song I've ever heard. Tell you what, he
1: won me back.
0: Mm. Yeah, this was written by a mob-looking guy.
1: The only way this could be better is if it was sang by our friend Teddy's father. Yes.
0: (laughs) The titular Johnny Martini. That's right. But yeah, he wrote that to win back his model wife. And she did come back and they had their fifth child and their final child in 1965. And that is when they moved into their new home in Amityville officially. So they had been living in like an apartment before this. And then a family with five kids kind of needs a bigger area to work.
2: You gotta give him some props. He's just a car salesman and he's married
0: to a model. He's pulling he's out a all con the stuff. Come man.
1: He's a scam artist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there. Uh, I don't wanna say it's definite, but there was like a lot of talk that he had some connections to mafia ties in I some mean, way or just, another. He was just dipping his up, hand. Them, there are them. so many people in this story that are just typical is Long 80s, yes. Island. Uh, this is the 60s. 60s. Okay. Mm.
1: Well,. I'm sure you can get a picture of him. The swinging '60s. I'm telling you, he was probably a huge man. Oh, he was a big boy. Yeah,
2: and you can't you can't get a nickname like Big Ron without being in the mob. Like that I think.
0: is a mafia name, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, did you talk to Big Ronnie? He's the one you can talk to to take care of the business.
2: Yeah, you know that every Sunday they had gravy.
0: Oh, I don't know where the gravy comes from, but
2: well, sure. Italians call oh, instead of like pasta sauce, it's gravy.
0: Did you know that? No,
2: I'm like now 80 sure. <laughs> percent <He's> go- <laughs> where I once was 95 question
0: enough to lay down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that took
2: such a little effort on your part <laughs> to make me rethink everything.
0: Even before moving into their new home in Amityville, Big Ronnie had developed a violent and abusive attitude towards his family. And this is part of the reason why Luisa initially left. Reports say that most of his anger got directed towards Butch, the oldest son, but some say that they did witness Big Ronnie hitting his wife in front of them as well. As Butch got older, he began to turn some of that violence back on his father, one time even pulling a gun on his father. And despite his parents taking him to a psychiatrist, Butch denied that he needed any help.
1: Okay, that that right there, the pulling the gun on his father, where did you find that information? How do we know that?
0: There's multiple reports that talk about it. His father retold the story, basically saying, like, yeah, I was in complete shock because my son pulled a oh, loaded okay. gun on me. Okay. But uh, th- it was just a very terse household. To do live we in.
2: know if it was the same gun? Spoilers? I don't
0: think so. I think... I think the initial time he pulled a gun, it was a shotgun, Oh, but I don't know that for a fact, so don't quote me on it.
2: Interesting, interesting.
0: But after taking him to a psychiatrist and Butch denying that he needs help, his parents tried to go with the route of giving him gifts to keep him happy so that he at least isn't as much of a terror in the house, buying him things like a $14,000 speedboat, But he took all of the money and the gifts that he was given and used that to buy LSD, heroin, and alcohol.
2: I suppose it was the 60s, so LSD, very hot in the streets. Easy to get,
0: yeah. Uh, So he quickly became a terror in the neighborhood and the surrounding area, not only in his own home. People kind of knew him as the troublemaker around town. Eventually, Big Ronnie even promoted his son at the dealership, even though Butch barely showed up and left early constantly when he did show up.
2: Oh, nepotism.
0: In order to thank his father for the promotion, Butch and his friend faked a robbery to steal $20,000 that Butch was supposed to take to the bank, and him and his friend split the money. Oh, it's my It's like, uh, that's like a
2: huge scheme, just to get $10,000, which well, at is... the
1: time, that was probably a ton of
0: money. Yeah. Right, but like- which is, like, in your family's name. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Yeah, I mean, his his grandfather ran the car dealership. Right. His father was, like, the best salesman there. So he had everything he needed. Right, like, just give it a few years, you'll
2: also have the house on the river with the boat launch and all that. <laughs> like, Emeryville Horror Property is pretty sick. It's beautiful. Like, it is It is pretty great. It makes it always, when I was doing the research, it made me think of... uh the house from home alone and how everyone's yeah. like, what did Kevin's dad do <laughs> for work?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's a very nice house. It's blurred out if you look it up on Google Maps now. Yeah, And the right. address has changed from what it originally was. Mm-hmm. But when Big Ronnie confronted his son about the theft, Butch threatened to kill his father, a sentiment that would soon come to fruition. Things finally came to a head on November 13th, 1974 when 23-year-old Butch walked through the house with a 35 caliber Marlin rifle after supposedly getting high in the basement. He entered his parents' room first and shot them both twice while they slept. He then entered the bedroom of his two younger brothers and shot both of them in their beds as well, and then onto his sister's room continuing the trend. Within 15 minutes, the entire DeFeo family was dead aside from Butch. He took a bath, dressed in his work clothes, and worked to hide the evidence like his clothes and the gun. Butch then apparently dumped the evidence down a storm drain and went about his day, getting to the dealership at around 6 a.m. Around noon, he said he was bored, so he left work and went around with his friends, until around 6 p.m. when Butch ran frantically into a nearby bar and screamed that his family had been shot, possibly in a mob hit. Those at the bar then joined Butch and headed back to the house only to find the entire DeFeo family dead. All of the family members were lying face down on their beds, and when police questioned Butch, he initially restated his mob story and was even put into police protection. But it didn't take long for his story to fall apart. The hitman that Butch had named was out of state, and his timeline didn't match up to when the murders had happened. And when he realized that he was at the end of his rope, Butch confessed. In his own words, Butch said, quote, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. End quote.
1: Like Butch that, Butch the butcher.
0: Hey. Yeah,
2: there you go. Yeah, Well, like, that's what you say when you're addicted to, like, or when you're about to, like, eat an entire bag of chips. Like, I started and I couldn't stop. I don't think the same sentiment really applies to a sane person when it comes to shooting them with a rifle killing their your own. entire family. The entire <sighs> family. I'm
1: sure Jerry will get into this. There's some things that are a little weird about it. A rifle is not especially a Marlin as I'm picturing it, is not gonna fire a ton of rounds off very quickly.
0: It's gonna make a lot of noise. Yeah, like when it's floundering on the ground. It's a big fish. Hard to keep that quiet. There
1: are no marlins. The fish at this house. <laughs> How is- do you know? Oh, Get at this at this you. point
2: in history, the marlin wasn't invented yet. Yeah. <laughs>
0: New fish just dropped. Yeah, <laughs> I guess
1: what I'm getting at is, no one made any struggle in this one. It's very odd.
0: It is.
2: It is interesting. I'm looking at pictures of the gun.
0: I'm pretty sure it's just like a lever. Yeah, action. it
2: is a lever action. So like.
0: Oh, to a, get two a, a shots proficient, on... A
1: proficient shooter right. at lever action is insane. Like right. Can, but I don't know. I don't know. if it, It's just weird. It's just it weird. is. No, so, I
2: agree with you. We're talking like an efficient... Excuse me, proficient user of a firearm probably yeah. does this easily, but this man that's high on most likely
0: LSD. Cool. I didn't <laughs> even
1: think about the fact he's half the furniture. So
0: unless he just becomes John Wayne out well, of nowhere, and he took nine shots. I don't know how many shots this gun holds before you oh, have to yeah. put more in. So he might probably, have had to reload. I don't
1: want to. I, I don't want to say for sure. I don't know the model of the gun. I would say right. six. I would. Probably. Yeah, I would assume
0: most five likely. or six. Yeah. So he probably had to put more in at, at some point too.
1: I, I'm trying to think if I'm a kid. It is possible if I'm pretty young and I hear some loud noises, I'm like, man, I'm trying to sleep over yeah, here. What the, <laughs> like it's very possible I roll over and I'm like, yeah. I'm just trying to sleep. But yeah, I'm trying if, it, to sleep. if I know it's a gunshot,
2: yeah.
1: you're probably getting up. I mean.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, it's, that is... Probably the weirdest part yeah. of this whole thing.
2: Like you're rolling over like, man, I have a big math quiz tomorrow. Or like some, <laughs> whatever you're worried keep about it, as like a actually great yells, keep it
0: down. Oh, hey. Dad go. said we were taking the boat out tomorrow. Now it's going to get canceled. Oh, <laughs> gosh.
2: It's so sad. Oh, no. Hey. you made it. You made it real.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Ronald DeFeo Jr. went on trial in October of the next year, and his defense originally claimed that Butch was insane and had killed his family because there was demonic voices in his head telling him to do it. But that argument didn't work, and Butch was quickly found to be of sound mind. The empty box for a thirty-five caliber Marlin rifle in Butch's room, plus his constantly changing story, broke down any argument that he didn't know what he was doing. A psychiatrist for the defense found Ronald DeFair Jr. to have antisocial personality disorder, and he was motivated by his selfishness. Eventually, he was convicted on six counts of second-degree murder just over a year after the murders had taken place and given six sentences of 25 years to life in prison.
1: May I ask what, why one gets second-degree versus first-degree?
0: I'm assuming they probably— How
2: hot they were at the time. No, well, like degree burns, guys. Not I, know. Like I know. Features.
0: <laughs> I'm assuming that, to the smoke show. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I would assume it was probably some sort of diminished responsibility plea, like with the insanity defense, mm-hmm. and they probably gave him some sort of concession there, and that was the reason why. But I really don't know. Uh, so
2: I wonder how easy it was for the psychiatrist to see through the hearing voices thing, because hearing voices. I'm reading this from healthgrades.com are typically only associated with like psychotic depression, schizophrenia, brain tumors that affect your, your central nervous system, which like huge brain tumors, well, dementia, and epilepsy. Like We after don't know you
1: had how long he was doing these hard drugs for, right? which could have had a serious impact on his mental health.
0: It could, yeah. But I don't think yeah, it, that's true. It, it probably wouldn't cause enough damage to like... Make someone break this hard? I don't think.
2: Unless it was like, ca- like LSD, LSD. That, well,
0: <laughs> well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like, well, yeah, I guess
1: LSD, right. LSD is pretty probably pretty bad right yeah LSD <laughs> score. i was gonna say, say it's pretty bad but i'm like no 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 don't look at me i don't know but. it's yeah. bad
0: in conjunction with other drugs yeah. that's for sure which is probably what he was doing because he was drinking and doing drugs and stuff so yeah all of uh, that together it's a it 60s it, yeah it definitely doesn't help a person's head <laughs> that's for sure new The small village of Amityville was obviously shocked by the murders, giving the property at 112 Ocean Avenue a ghoulish reputation. And this reputation was aided by mysteries still surrounding the murders, like the fact that nobody seemed to have woken up during the killing spree, all having died without a struggle. So that comes back to what you were mentioning earlier, which is probably the weirdest part of this whole story, in my opinion. Also curious was the fact that none of the neighbors claimed to have heard any gunshots that night. Granted, it was around 3 in the morning, but later experiments showed that a thirty-five caliber Marlin rifle shot in that house could be heard around 4 or 5 blocks away from the house.
1: Yeah, and for all of us who have heard firearms, I mean, <laughs> I've woken up to less than that. Yeah. I just feel like that's pretty odd. All, the other thing I was going to say is you said they were all found face down.
0: Yes. Mm. It
1: almost sounds like they were positioned post being shot.
0: There is a theory about that just i just what it I'll, sounds I'll like i'll talk about that later oh, okay. on so but yeah you're not wrong so that's why this is
2: so much different than the other like let's call it family murders that we've covered on this show like the different axe murders yeah. that we've covered because swinging an axe like that's of course not nearly as loud as a gunshot right okay,
1: was there an autopsy on all these people <laughs> there was and yeah. it checked out that they their wounds were just
0: just gunshots mm. yeah it's it's weird. And to add on top of the weirdness, uh, there was a report of noise that night around the time of the murders, but it was the fact that the DeFeo's dog was barking. Nothing about gunshots. The neighbors were like that yappy dog Yeah. <laughs> here the so they gun. Heard, so they were
1: awake to hear the dog, but not the gunshot. Yeah, they
0: said around from three to three thirty around that time, the dog was reported to be barking. And the murders are like estimated to have happened around three fifteen. So Right in the middle of that. And still, after all this, nobody knew what motive Ronald had for killing his whole family. His story, as I mentioned earlier, was constantly changing, and nobody could really understand why he would have killed his younger siblings when the father figure was really the only one he had issues with. So, nobody knew why.
1: Some people just want to watch the world burn. That That is is a
0: a fact. Right, right. But regardless of motive and regardless of all the mysteries surrounding it, Amityville moved forward. And aiding in this move forward was the Lutz family, who moved into the DeFeo house right after the time of DeFeo's conviction. So around a year after the events actually took place.
2: One more point on the, like, why didn't they all wake up or whatever. Do you think that maybe he slipped some? I'm just reading another article online. Do you think that he slipped something into their food or anything like that
0: I, they did drug tests they did the drug a, tests the autopsy showed no drugs that also their would it imply pre, it
1: being premeditated
2: right and not it, because it, of drug yeah it, it, it
1: very i'd be I'd be a little surprised even as bad as this guy's life sounds like in this very moment. I'd be a little surprised if this was a premeditated massacre, yeah, but I don't know but.
0: yeah Because that was originally one of the things that butch said on the stand was like i I drugged them so that I could kill them all quietly and stuff like that. He says this. They yeah that that was one of the things they like brought up in court, and they're like, no, well, there are no drugs found in their systems, so it doesn't add up. So like that's why like there's so much mystery after everything.
1: Hmm. I have a crazy, crazy. We're about to move into the second half of this, right? Yes. So any more things I have to say about the murder part, I could probably say now.
0: We'll go back to it later on in the story. So it depends. Okay.
1: Well, let's just keep going.
0: Okay. So the Lutz family who moved into the house consisted of George Lutz and his wife, Kathy. George was once divorced and had recently married Kathy, who was his second wife. They met in 1974, married in 1975. George and Kathy both had their own houses, so to start their new life together, they decided to sell both of those houses and put that money towards a new home for the family, which included Kathy's three young kids, which were estimated by George to be around four, seven, and nine at this time. They heard about the house on Ocean Avenue and went to go check it out without knowing the past of the house. But when they arrived, the realtor told them about the DeFeo murders. So the couple talked it over with their kids and with each other, basically saying, Hey kids, you're going to be sleeping in a room where the other kids were definitely murdered hardcore. But all of the kids agreed that they were fine with it and they decided to move forward.
1: Okay, can you confirm they did not know before going to this viewing of the house yeah. that they that this happened.
0: Yeah, they so they did not know. They didn't initially know, but they knew like once the realtor told them. I
1: had originally heard that it was possible. Uh, let's just keep going.
0: What were you going to no, say? No,
1: because I don't know if it's getting ahead of, of just go. Oh, well, that maybe they would buy the house knowing its reputation for potential profitable gain right. down the road. Meaning, we're going to get into like what happens, but like if it had been premeditated, potentially what they were going yeah. to do. But they could only really do that if they knew the house before they went. Right. I don't think they would, personally, I don't think they would go to the viewing, find out there, and then be like, we'll take
0: it we'll because take we can it. make
1: a yeah. big, I don't think yeah. that would yeah. be the case. So they'd have to know ahead of time. And you're saying they
0: probably didn't.
2: And trying to like fake, being like, Oh, it was this house in the town that we've lived all of our lives? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, a lot of this is according to George. He did a coast-to-coast interview in 2002 that I listened to where he talks about the entire story. And according to him, up until he died, they said that they didn't know until they went to the viewing and then she told them then. Okay. Let's proceed assuming that's the
1: case.
2: But also, the fact that they had to check with the four, seven, and nine-year-olds, like the four-year-old... like.
1: That might be a loose way of putting it. It, right. it probably was more like my wife and I will think this over even if that's what they are right. Yeah.
2: Like hey 4-year-old, are you okay with with us moving? He's like, "I just pooped myself." So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have many thoughts on this matter.
0: Yeah. He pretty much said like, "Yeah, we sat the kids down and we're like, you're going to be sleeping in rooms where kids were killed. Are you going to be okay with that?" And they're just like, "Sure." <laughs> right. So,
2: what's death? Like, yeah, they honestly, don't know.
0: So, in George and Kathy's minds, it was a lakefront home, which helped them out because George had a boat that he was docking at a marina and had to pay for, so that helped them there, and it was priced way under what they thought it was valued at. In their estimate, the house was worth over $100,000, but the list price was 90000 They offered 80000 which was still slightly over their budget, but that offer was accepted. And in order to help fill the house, the Lutzes kept some of the DeFeo's old possessions like dining room tables and dressers to help mitigate costs. But they still got it for a steal.
2: <laughs> Do you think they at least like repainted? I would hope so. I gotta say like, this.
0: In today's market,
1: I would have bought the house. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. If you're telling me
2: murder house at like with all that land at 80,000. Yeah.
1: You're cutting it like 20% or more.
0: It's, it's strange, but looking up the value of this house now really put into perspective what the market is like for me, because $80,000 in 1975 when they bought the house is like just under 500,000. It's like 430 something, I think. And the house now is valued at almost a million dollars.
1: It's not a million. No, I would have expected it to be just because of the name, but I, I guess, but I that
0: know. puts it into perspective. Like, you could have bought this house theoretically if the market didn't change for yeah. 400,000. Yeah. now it's nearly a million dollars. Yeah, like, I mean, crazy. but that was based on like 2019, I think, yeah. even. So it's probably worth over a million now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a very nice house. Yeah. At the time they moved in, George wasn't a religious person, but Kathy, his wife, was a non-practicing Catholic, and she, along with a family friend, recommended that they have the new home blessed before they moved in. So, George called his friend Father Pecoraro. According to George, Father Pecoraro was an ecclesiastical judge for the local diocese and was also a trained lawyer who read and spoke nine different languages. And with that name, also part of the mob. (laughs) Honestly. Father Pecoraro blessed the home for the family, stating that the house was fine aside from a back room on the second floor that made him feel uncomfortable when he was inside of it. Pecoraro apparently claimed that he heard a voice telling him to get out and that he was slapped by an unseen force. He then told the family basically not to use that room as a bedroom, but they didn't plan on using it as a bedroom anyways and turned it into a sewing room for Kathy. And then, just a funny note that George talked about in the interview that's not really relevant to the story, but I thought was funny is that he tried to pay Father Pecoraro with a bottle of Canadian Club whiskey, but Father Pecoraro refused. Wow.
1: That has some family uh, interest there. Yeah. I got, I got some family stories about Canadian Club. But in reference that actually is one of my favorite parts about this whole thing is the interview of that priest. I I watched the YouTube interview or whatever of that priest or whatever. Sure. Not even that, I don't know if it comes up, the boils.
0: Yeah, on his got, hands.
1: Mm, on his hands? Yeah. I, again, he even said, like, the doctor told him it was probably stress-related. I don't know. Yeah. But my it was just weird. Like, that that was like a two-and-a-half-minute interview, and he just has all this stuff to say about it. And I, I just kind of think, like, why would he lie about this? Right. Unless they paid him right. to say that stuff. I don't know. How much? can Yeah.
2: Right, you have to grease a lot
0: of palms. Yeah, with, uh, I feel like that must be a hefty
1: juice. paycheck. Cause I mean, he, like 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does go yeah, to yeah, say. Okay. <laughs> that,
0: it does go to say that Father Pecoraro was a very good friend of George's. Like, they were pretty close. They talked every week and stuff. Okay. So, I mean, maybe there's some incentive for him to embellish a little bit. Just maybe. To, but, maybe.
1: But that's a lot of. He would have been asked more than once, I'm sure, down oh, the yeah. road. And, like, well, let's just say 20 years later, there's no way. He's still not like, right. Yeah, yeah,
0: right, sticking to a story for that especially, long, especially if he's that high up in the Catholic Church, like even just the local Catholic Church. Sure, so after this, the Lutzes claimed that the weird activity started almost immediately around the house for them. According to George, things started slowly and then games gained, gained steam, and in his words, it was like a snowball getting bigger as it rolled down a hill, just like his relationship. Oh, got him. <laughs> from from here on in the story all of this is alleged uh some of what he said before was but most of that was to do with the DeFeos, and that's all court documents and stuff so from here on almost all of this is going to be alleged mostly from george's story so to save myself from constantly having to say allegedly i'm just going to put it all out there right now that this is a catch-all for this the day that the family moved in According to George, the dog tried to quote-unquote hang itself on the fence because it jumped over and was hanging from its tie-out on the other side. Wait, can you say it one more time? So according to George, the dog jumped over the fence in the yard and was hanging from its leash or its tie-out or whatever it had on on the top of the fence. Wow, okay. Or it could have saw a rabbit, but okay. (laughs) It's the first day in a new yard. Yeah, period. I think that that's probably attributable to just a dog being curious and making a mistake. but so you're
1: saying, wait, was it Conjuring? You're saying Conjuring stole that? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> As the days progressed, the family started to notice little things happening every day. One constant thing was that the house was always cold, no matter how much wood they stacked into the fire. Additionally, large amounts of flies would be inside the house, even during winter when it was too cold for them to keep multiplying. Different noises could be heard around the house, like George waking up to what sounded like an orchestra section warming up downstairs. The old-style keyholes on the doors would drip with a black, epoxy-like substance. Some mornings, the family would wake up to find a gelatin-like substance in spots on the floor that would lead from room to room. Various different odors would pop up around the house. But like I said, things just kept escalating. Did they not hire an, an inspector before they bought this bad boy? Like, I don't they know. They keep on
2: just sending different priests, but they're like <laughs> just one inspector or contractor.
0: Be like, well, there shouldn't be slime. <laughs> there shouldn't be anything coming out of a keyhole. It's- George was like immediately defensive of the gelatin substance on the floor. because He's like, we didn't have Jello in the house. The kids didn't have Jello. I'm like no. Nobody said that they he's did.
1: Super anti
0: jello. oi <laughs> yeah. don't think anyone's accusing you. He's the only of <laughs> spreading jello around here. He's house. the only one
2: in the fight against big jello.
1: <laughs> okay, I got a question for you. Okay, you know how there's no. This is kind of unrelated. You know how like when you say jello, yeah, it's a brand name. Yes, jello. What is it? Just what is that? Gelatin. Yeah, is that yeah. all yeah. that is?
2: Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's like Kleenex I, and I tissue think paper. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know how branding saying, came
1: there's about. There's no way he's in the 70s being like, I don't have any damn Jell-O in here. There's no Damn way.
0: kids. Oh
1: my gosh. I gotta see when Jell-O dates back to you, but okay.
0: One day, George and Kathy found their daughter Missy seemingly talking to herself. When asked about it, Missy said that she was talking to someone known as Judy. After these interactions began, Missy started to ask her parents questions like, do angels talk and saying things like, Judy said we're going to live here forever. Oh.
1: That's actually a pretty good boat of confidence. I mean, you're going to live it's forever. A good, yeah.
0: True. And, and then, it's a nice house.
2: Yeah. So guess then, it could be worse. And then the dad was like, actually, we are locked into a 30-year mortgage at 1.2%. <laughs> yeah. Fixed rate. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so freaking steal. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Tell Judy that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Judy that.
2: <laughs>
0: wow. When asked what Judy looked like, Missy said she looked like a large pig with red eyes. George said his Oh yeah, it's, it's Butch. <laughs> it is Butch. <laughs> Around this time, George said his thoughts began to get darker and his attitude began to change, along with the two boys in the house treating each other differently as well. Physically, George witnessed Kathy transform into an old woman with the face and hair of an 80 or 90-year-old woman. And he said this would last for hours at a time.
2: The meanest, what? That's the meanest thing he could say about his wife. I know. but That she, is so mean. But like she
0: said it too. She's like, yeah, I could even see that it happened. Ooh. Reminds me
1: of that Game of Thrones app for that one redhead chick. Oh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the next starts aging.
2: what What's her name? The bears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I heard <laughs> too. It's, the been 80- yeah. the it's
0: been 84 years. <laughs> Titanic? <laughs> But as I mentioned, he wasn't the only one who could see it, because Kathy said that she could see it, and even her mother was a witness to the transformation at one point, apparently. George would wake up nearly every night at 3.15 in the morning, which was approximately the same time that the DeFeos were killed. One of the windows closed on one of the boys' hands and, according to George, flattened them and deformed his hands. And this part of the story is kind of confusing, because originally George said that they took the boy to the hospital for his hands, but later, when asked to verify the story with hospital records, he said that they never actually took him to the hospital and that the hands, bo- the hands were miraculously healed on their own. He
2: actually just blew into his thumb like with air, like, <laughs> like a cartoon.
0: Wait, Butch is still
1: alive, though.
2: He is. Very much in prison.
0: Did I say Butch?
1: No, you didn't. Okay. I'm thinking about this.
2: Like, is he still out there type deal?
1: Yeah. Well, like, if there was an evil spirit, let's just say.
2: Oh, Logically,
1: right. I would assume it'd be the same guy who killed his family. Right. I don't it's, think any of the... Uh, then again, it could be the mob guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Mr. Piggy, apparently, or, it could or Lucy. Just, it could just be that that negative energy oh, from yeah. the murder just sure. like, manifested it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: Very I, funny that vibes are the
0: key thing about whether there's going
2: to be a demon or not in yeah, your house. Yeah. Like, if there's bad juju in here, bad vibes. So
0: you got to constantly set the vibe. Yeah. This <laughs> house around-
1: has a strong sexual
0: vibe. <laughs> <laughs> there's just constantly, like, smooth jazz playing somewhere. <laughs>
2: well, they said there was orchestra playing. Like, it's, <laughs> it's also very, that description's very funny. It sounded like an orchestra was warming up. Like, what? <laughs> They never got to the crescendo. (laughs) Yeah, I guess
1: not. (laughs) I don't have it today, guys. Cancel it. Shut it,
2: man. Shut it down. Where's the maestro? (laughs) (laughs) Beethoven's about to go off. (laughs) Uh.
0: Around this time, doors began to rip themselves off the hinges around the house, and things continued to get worse until the 28th day that the family lived in the home. That night, early in the morning, I guess that morning, George was awoken by the sound coming from upstairs upstairs in the boy's bedroom apparently the boy's beds were bouncing up and down on the floor but george said that he couldn't go check because he was physically unable to move from the bed he looked over and saw that his wife kathy was levitating off of the bed he was able to grab a hold of her and keep her from levitating away but at the same time that she was floating she was also turning into an old woman again Eventually, everything that was going on that morning subsided, but later that afternoon around 4 p.m., the Lutz family officially fled the house, leaving their belongings behind. The couple never really liked to say what actually took place that day that made them leave, so it's not really clear what the inciting event was that officially got them out of the house. That's crazy. 28 days? Yeah. Like not that's even, it? <laughs> not even a month. I
1: would have said more than one day
0: is pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, they said that they it was ex- just an
2: influx of slime that they saw. And they're like, this <laughs> yeah. is the turning point. It Wasn't it
0: levitating? Wasn't
1: any of that stuff? It yeah. was the slime. It was the slime.
2: <laughs> Man, Nickelodeon needs to, or the, this family needs to sue the crap out of Nickelodeon. Like uh-huh. they stole our thing. No, oh, that
1: house is still the
2: supplier for the slime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. So where they got it from. Right. The river and back is literally That's why just... they had
0: to get rid of it because it was causing too many issues around the studio. <laughs> yeah. People were asking too many questions, snooping around.
1: That's how everyone living there is making their major money. They're selling this. <laughs> yeah,
2: Amityville's main economy wow. is just slime He was slime a successful
0: dealing. car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> uh. George Lutz only returned back to the house one time after the events, using his friends in the meantime to help them grab stuff that they wanted to keep from the house. But two months after they moved out, reporter Laura Didio contacted the Lutzes about organizing a group of paranormal and psychic researchers to investigate the home. In an event that she later described as a quote-unquote psychic slumber party, which boasted big names like Ed and Lorraine Warren, many photos were taken and different psychic readings were done in the Amityville house. It
1: was just a huge orgy. <laughs> 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 it's such, it's it They're like, like, we have no <laughs>
0: choice. It's the jazz. <laughs> Ooh, Ed and Lorraine, you're in your prime right oh,
2: now. Oh, no. Oh, According- instead of changing into old people, actually just change into the actors that play them oh, in The Conjuring.
0: Man, yeah. They're, yeah, then they're actually hot. Like
2: confirmed good-looking <laughs> people. They don't look like
0: the old man from Up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. According to Lorraine Warren, she felt an omer- overwhelming feeling of depression once she entered the home. And another woman named Mary Pascarella, who is a psychic and self-proclaimed time walker, led the psychics, and described what she called a feeling of pure evil in the Amityville house. At one point, Mary said she felt ill and went to one of the bedrooms to rest up because that was her safe zone in the home. But while she was in the room, she began to recite the Lord's Prayer, and as she did, she noticed a group of figures in the doorway who began to recite the Lord's Prayer with her, but backwards. In response, Mary grabbed her holy water and threw it on the figures in the doorway and once it hit them, it made what she described as the sound of water on a hot pan. That kind of hissing noise. Ooh.
2: Ooh. I don't like this. Also, she's had holy water like on her.
0: Well, I guess Catholic. Yeah, yeah they're that all makes Catholic. Sense. Yeah. They're with Ed and Lorraine Warren, who probably just carry around like a squirt gun full of it oh, at any time. <laughs> <laughs> they keep right. that thing on them, yeah. for sure. Yeah. According to Laura Didio, she didn't experience anything otherworldly herself, and she can only take the paranormal and psychic investigators' words for what they experienced. However, one of the most compelling pieces of evidence came in the form of a photograph from this investigation. There was a camera set up in the hallway by the stairs, set to take photos at regular intervals. And in one of these photos, you can see what appears to be a young boy peeking out of one of the doorways over the railing of the staircase. And this is probably one of the most famous pieces of evidence for the Amityville story that if you know anything about it, you've probably seen. There was also another picture that came along with that one known as the Padre Pio photo that supposedly shows the likeness of an Italian friar who later became a saint on a moose that was hanging in the living room.
2: Yeah, we're looking at the photo uh, right now and oh my God, that is a (laughs) child. Yeah,
0: Terrifying, isn't it?
2: Yeah, very, very, very terrifying.
0: After leaving the home, George Lutz realized how hard it was for them to get out of the house. It was almost like he said the house didn't want them to leave. But after they were gone, they stayed gone. Three years after they had left the house, Kathy and George took polygraph tests with the supposed number three guy in the world leading the tests which both of them passed with flying colors.
2: How do you think that ranking is determined? Number 2.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm just taking George Letts's word for it on this one. <laughs> what does that even mean? I, he, the number I'm 3. Best.
1: I do the best polygraph test. <laughs> like,
0: he was like he was trained by the FBI. I'm like, yeah, so is everybody probably. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, and it's also like the machine does the work here, sir. Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> You just hook him up and ask questions. <laughs> yeah. We need
1: the best guy. Get this guy. No, no, no. I'm only the third best.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Out of five. (laughs) Eventually, life returned to normal for the Lutz family, but their story didn't end once they left the house. Shortly after leaving, George says he and Kathy met with Ronald DeFeo Jr.'s lawyer, William Weber, to see if they could help DeFeo in any way, because after their experiences in the house, they supposedly realized that Butch may have truly struggled with whatever was in that house that tormented them. But here is where things really begin to get messy. (laughs) Apparently, the meeting began to shift towards the possibility of a book deal to tell the Lutz's story. However, Weber wanted to share 5% of those proceeds with DeFeo in jail, which led the Lutz family to pass on that offer and seek out someone else to maybe tell their story for them.
2: Yeah. I believe there's an actual law that you can't make money on your crimes. Now there is. Now there is. Oh, that's right. We've talked about this before. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure back then it was still allowed. Obviously, it was still allowed if you put that offer out on the table. Right. But they they said, yeah, we're not going to do that because you're basically rewarding Butch for killing his family. Yeah. Eventually, the Lutzes got in touch with a man known as Jay Anson, a writer who took their story and wrote a book that was published in 1979 under the title of The Amityville Horror, A True Story. The book was That's al- the key part of the book, t- of the book title. You have yeah. to say true story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's going to get him in trouble later. The book was almost immediately a bestseller, which, and it eventually had 37 printings and sold 6.5 million copies by 1981, so only a few years after it was released.
2: Yeah, it's doing numbers.
0: The book was the supposed story of the Lutz's stay in the house. It got quickly adapted into a movie, and the story went into overdrive in the public eye. This seemed to be good news for the Lutzes, but apparently they had never signed a deal with Jay Anson and didn't see most of the money that he was absolutely hauling in once the book took off. According to George in his Coast to Coast AM interview in 2002, him and Kathy probably made around $300,000 from everything, whereas Jay Anson and the movie director who made the original movie were making millions of dollars. Wow.
2: So, So like, your life story, that sucks. Yeah,
0: literally. (laughs) Alleged
2: life story, but But, that
0: sucks. But, like, why would you not sign a contract?
2: Right, you gotta Uh, get things. No
0: no matter if you think it's gonna be a good book or or not. Right. You wanna get money, (laughs) but I guess.
2: One of the worst deals in history, come
0: on. (laughs) Honestly. So, perhaps the publicity wasn't as good as they had hoped for them, and they weren't the only ones who were struggling with this new media craze. 14 months after the Lutzes fled the house, Jim and Barbara Cromarty purchased the property and moved in. Right after they settled in the house, articles and the book were trickling out about the haunting, and they got a lot of unwanted visitors to their house. Throughout their ownership of the home, the Cromartys never claimed to have experienced or seen anything unusual in the home other than the constant paranormal tourists. They would eventually sue the Lutzes, Jay Anson, and the book publisher Prentice Hall. For over one million dollars in damages for fraud over the book's subtitle of a true story. They eventually settled out of court for an undisclosed six-figure sum in 1982, and this began the waterfall of skeptics to the story of the Amityville Horror. God, that
2: would suck if you just bought a place and like this is they probably haven't read the book. I would assume no, and then people just keep on showing up to your house. Like, can we come take a tour? It's like it's. For what? <laughs> yeah. For what?
0: Because they moved in beginning of 1978, I believe this would be, or 77. Mm-hmm. And the book came out like, I said 79, but I think it was actually 77 or 78.
2: But either way, when you're buying a house, you're like, there's no way it could be that Amityville house. And oh, lo and behold. But
0: they didn't even know the story at that time. Right. So yeah, it was pub- the book was published in 77. So they lived in the house for about, six months before Mm. the book came out and then people just started flooding to their house. God, that sucks. (laughs) I was
1: about to complain and say like they sued just for the money, which maybe they still did, but at least the fact that they were in there before the book came out gives a lot more credence to why they were like, after this, yeah, you know,
0: like because um. <laughs> well, they constantly had people harassing them at like yeah. all hours of the day outside right. their house. Right.
2: So, oh, right, I'm sure re- it ranged from reporters to just quite frankly, probably crazy people yeah. as well.
0: Well, the neighbors said that there was groups of like 40 to 50 people outside holding hands and doing like I don't know if it was like prayers or what they were doing, but yeah, it was like an entire circus.
1: Did anyone interview? Butch in prison after the fact, like later on in
0: 1994, I believe he did a prison interview. Why?
1: I'm just curious what came out of that. If oh,
0: it he. I'll talk about it in a little bit here. So people began to after the Cromarties had left, and people began to go. This was kind of during the paranormal investigator phase of it, where they were investigating the house. They found some faulty floorboards that were they caused one of the windows in the rooms that was improperly balanced if you stepped on a certain floorboard it would cause the window to open and close on its own which is what it, it's insane <laughs> what kind like of a architecture scooby, it's <laughs> like a scooby-doo i know that <laughs> is straight out of scooby yeah but like that this is the first of like evidences to kind of retort the story of haunted house in addition to that, drawings of the supposed demon pig with red eyes were later to be found that there were drawings of the neighbor's cat, just drawn by a four-year-old girl. And That one's really funny. Yeah. And then bigger players in the story started talking. William Weber, the, de- the uh, attorney for Butch DeFeo, who had met with the Lutzes, came out and stated that he, the meeting went a little differently than George and Kathy were saying it did. He did meet them and discuss a book deal, however was much more relaxed, and the three shared at least four bottles of wine, and throughout the night Weber showed the Lutzes some of the photos from the DeFeo case. Weber suggested taking the story of the DeFeo murders and coupling it with the Lutzes story and making it into a sensational horror story to sell to the media. They could take aspects from both stories and combine them into one, such as the flies on the corpses of the DeFeos who had been decomposing in the home for nearly 48 hours after they had died, or the greenish slimy substance that the police had used for fingerprinting in the home. Both of these could be embellished and combined with the haunting into eventually bleeding walls or swarms of flies attacking a priest that can be seen in the original Amityville horror movie. After the Lutzes refused his offer, he tried to carry on alone but all that happened was an article in Good Housekeeping, which the Lutzes sued him for on the basis of invasion of privacy. Good Housekeeping? <laughs> it was a different publication I back say, then, apparently. Was this just
2: a completely different
0: magazine? During this time, another rumor that surrounds the haunting started that the Amityville home was built upon an old Native American burial ground. George Lutz apparently said that he saw maps and historical evidence of these burial sites, but in his words, the historical site... Historical society quickly secreted them away and hid them. And they had, uh, I want to say he was a paranormal psychiatrist or something like that, came into the house and took some photos. And there's a documentary that I sent to you guys. And in that documentary, he holds up this insanely blurry photo. And he's like, in this photo, you can clearly see that there is an image of a white horse next to me. And that's because the Indian chief rode on a white horse, and it's literally just a blurry-as-fuck photo. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: clearly, you can see.
0: Why is it always an Indian burial ground? Every time. Like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it
2: always says.
0: But regardless, this was pretty much another dead end. Strangely, however, Ronald DeFeo Jr. corroborated Weber's story that the haunting was a hoax. While in jail, Butch said that Weber was telling the truth about the Lutzes and the book deal, stating that he never wanted to claim insanity for his case and that the demon's voices were all made up. His story, which claimed to have seen Butch visited by a demon with black hands, was actually much more human than they originally had claimed. The female in his drug-addled memory was actually his sister Dawn, wearing gloves. She supposedly had the rifle and actually committed a majority of the murders. Then, either out of disgust for what his sister had done or out of anger, Butch killed Dawn after her killing spree. According to this 2005 documentary, a criminologist told a judge that the bodies had been moved and that they weren't all killed where they were found and that there may have been multiple weapons used. Years after the killings, a journalist named Rick Moran was contacted by a drug enforcement agent who had the DeFeo home under surveillance around this time. This agent said that he saw Dawn leave the house the night of the murders wearing a jacket and gloves, carrying the rifle. She drove towards a dock out near a point and disposed of the rifle there, which is where the rifle was later found by police. Don DeFeo's nightclothes did show unburnt powder on them, which lends towards the idea that it wasn't just Butch who had committed the crime. Reports say that Dawn and Butch had a very special bond among the DeFeo family, And after the murders, Butch's grandfather was supposed to have taken Butch aside as he was taken away and told him that he was to take all of the blame for the killings and leave his sister out of it in order to prevent any more shame from falling upon the DeFeo family name. Butch also claimed later that he had drugged the rest of the family and that's why they didn't wake up, but according to autopsy reports, there were no drugs found in any of their systems. So, the story changed.
2: That's where it gets really conspiracy-ish.
0: Yes. So there's all these reports of people saying that they had a special bond, whether that like some say they had a sexual relationship, like an incestuous relationship between them, but. Or drugs or murder. So it's
1: possible he only killed the murderer and not everyone else. Yes, because
0: later when he would recount the story, he's like, yeah, I did the murder, not the murders. So he's basically saying I killed Dawn. But not the rest of them. Why wouldn't he just say that?
2: It that'd be a tough thing for him to prove, I think. Yeah. I think no matter what, he's gonna get blamed for it.
1: Yeah, but you could at least if I uh, it's hard to explain, but like if something's true, you can sometimes like it's hard to explain, but you can like exhibit it in in, right. your, in your when you're just telling your telling of it sounds more genuine or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. But This is also coming from a man who's changing his story every time he tells it, pretty much. Yeah, that
1: that that is the worst.
0: So he pretty much condemned himself from the beginning. Yeah, But, I mean, the story about one of the reporters getting contacted by the drug enforcement agent and seeing it, that's pretty much the only proof we have of Dawn actually being involved, Mm -hmm. other than the unburnt powder, which could mean that she was using a rifle or something, but... It's an interesting twist in the story. It's a long yeah.
1: time, too, to rem- supposedly remember seeing someone.
0: Exactly. So now, we basically have one source of information saying the story is true. The Lutzes. They both stuck to their story with small changes throughout their lives until Kathy passed away in 2004 and George shortly after in 2006. Towards the end of his life, George did admit that some of the details of the story were embellished, which led more and more people to believe that the story was a full hoax. Later, others who had lived in the house came out as well, Kathy's two sons. Both of the boys told a similar story, that the house was indeed haunted and it was evil, however, the DeFeo murders had nothing to do with it. Instead, the haunting was brought on by George Lutz himself due to his dabblings with the occult and his overbearing and domineering attitude as his stepfather. And this, perhaps, could go a ways to explain why there was no other activity in the house after the Lutzes left, if all of it was actually based around George Lutz himself and not the house.
2: Mm. So don't dabble in the occult. No Ouija boards. No Ouija boards, now.
0: <laughs> As for the photo of the young boy that was taken during the investigation months after the Lutzes fled the house, it's highly debated. According to a video by the YouTube channel Center for Inquiry, who did an examination of the photo, it is likely that the figure in the photo is a man who worked with Ed and Lorraine Warren named Paul Bartz. The figure in the photo is wearing a plaid shirt, which Bartz was, which Bartz was also seen wearing early, in earlier pictures from the investigation. The colors are different in the photos, however, that is likely due to the fact that the different cameras were using different types of film when the different photos of Bartz were taken. In the staircase shot, the camera was using infrared film, which distorts colors and could be responsible for why his eyes are seen to be glowing white in the photo as well. In a 2008 email response from Mr. Bartz as to whether he was the figure in the photo, he stated that the figure does resemble him and that he also believes that Ed and Lorraine Warren were telling the truth when they said that it was a ghost. So in order to keep the legend alive, he declined to say anything else, basically saying, it's likely that it could be me, but I'm not going to say it is me because I don't want to ruin the story. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the veracity of the Amityville horror lies on how trustworthy you think the Lutz family is. Since they moved out, no residents have reported any activity in the home, but the Lutz is stuck to their guns and said until their deaths that they know something unexplainable happened to them in that home and whether people believe them was each individual's own decision. So, read the book. Watch the documentaries. Examine both sides for yourself. Because as Scottish philosopher David Hume once said, quote, a wise man therefore proportions his belief to the evidence. End quote. So it's up to you guys.
2: Particularly Mark, it is up to you. To true. Decide right
0: I'm all in. It was all true. <laughs> yep.
2: It's true.
1: I saw the whole thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um.
1: Obviously, there's a little bit of mix where a lot of it was probably embellished, like you said, but uh, I like to decide on uh, thinking maybe some of it was true. Maybe there was a little haunting going on, Just yeah. a little, little spook here or there, that, and it turned into something bigger, but
2: to a bigger spook. <laughs> yeah. <it laughs> snowballed into spook. the biggest spook.
0: Biggest spook of all. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I always do like to believe some of these stories. I think this one, there's a lot of, I guess, pure evidence of people being like well actually we are coming out and saying that didn't happen yeah you know so that kind of takes away a little bit of the fun but a lot of evil did happen there either way yeah
1: too bad because they could have gotten with, uh, gotten rid of it just by being like not there not there <laughs> <They're> not <laughs> there
2: yeah or just beat up the demons like they do yeah, in exactly. yeah. Exactly
0: it's not that, that hard. easy just yeah. don't
1: play any
2: clapping games around
1: yeah no. oh, yeah
0: with a candle come on <laughs> get something better Do a little seance in there yeah i i mean most people now will say that the story's a hoax i would say probably a, a vast majority believe that the amityville horror didn't happen but i i do think there is something to be said by the fact that george and kathy both stuck to their guns their entire lives and mm. the fact that like they never went back to the house to get their stuff really they got some of it but like they didn't make an, all that much money off of this most of that probably went towards recuperating the stuff that they lost and the fact that they had to pay off the house still right yeah, yeah. I'm well I'm
1: definitely not going to say like financially they certainly weren't victims it sounds like even though they didn't get that exact deal they should have they still made out on this whole thing if you just think about somebody who went through something really traumatizing or like if it were me who saw some really crazy stuff and then everyone's just like, oh, no, man, it's fake. Like, it didn't happen or whatever. I'm just thinking, like, you just want someone to believe you. Yeah, so I'm going to die right here and say,
2: <laughs> I believe
0: it. I think it might have happened. Yeah. Because
1: I, you got to have at least one person who's like, yeah, maybe.
2: 100%. Yeah.
0: I did go into this thinking that it was a hoax from the beginning. So I was biased. But I do think now that I probably have more belief that it could have happened than I did before researching yeah. it. But I also think that there are elements... I think that George and Kathy believed that something happened to them. I think they believed what they were saying. Do I believe that it happened the way they were saying? I believe they think it did. Yeah. But then that's their reality versus mine. It's not mm-hmm. a lie if you believe it. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> but I, then, like, with the kids coming out and saying that it was because George dabbled in the occult and stuff like that, If they, if he was, like... A borderline abusive stepfather to them as kids. I could see that being them trying to process the trauma from that in a certain way. If that part's true,
1: yeah. If that part's true, and he was dabbling in that, then I'm all the way in. Then I think some of that might actually happen to them. Not like, of course, not every last thing that's reported about the paranormal stuff that happened, but some of it definitely, maybe. Sure. I also think when you get told, uh, and you didn't expect it, that a mass murder happened in your home that you just bought and or like, they're just about to buy or whatever. Don't you feel like there's a sense of like, you're starting to look for or listen for things that aren't even maybe
0: there. Yeah. yeah. Like you have a heightened sense sure. of like, maybe
1: this place is weird. I don't know.
0: It gives you a little bit of a confirmation bias because you're, yeah. you're mm-hmm. trying to find things that would echo what happened.
1: Sure. So I'm wondering too, they, that's why like 28 days. That first 28
0: days was probably crazy
1: stressful because there's like something crazy happened in here. Really, really bad. And I'm starting to notice things. Would, well, would you have even noticed any of that? If- well,
0: and you think, too, like you're a brand new family yeah. all moving into a house together for the first time. You kind of overpaid for the house that you're buying. Mm. It's just like an entirely new environment. It's a stressful situation in general. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting story, to, to be sure. Mm-hmm. I, but the amount that this story has blown up since the beginning is insane. Yeah, like the amount of iterations of movies that have been made, and
2: series, and books. Yeah, yeah millions of books
0: sold. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Have you so, heard
1: about the uh, paranormal incident that used to happen at the Roosh household? <laughs> Dude, every night I was there.
0: The chocolate, their milk, chocolate milk, I knew exactly We just go missing. Going, every yeah. time. Especially if you and me were both there. It seemed yeah. like the activity was Dude, way more. It was more...
1: unbelievable. Yeah, just... And when there was no chocolate milk there, it got really crazy. People were mad. The anger you <laughs> the could anger, feel. Yeah. It Everyone's was mood yep. was changed. It's crazy. It yeah. is It is insane. So yeah. I don't want to say I can relate to them, but <laughs> I, but there was. A I know where they were
0: going. Through.
1: I've seen some things, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some stuff, yeah. Uh, but that
0: is that is the story of the Amityville Horror. There's so much out there that you can watch, that you can read, that you can listen to, whatever you want to do to kind of get the entire story. If you really want to, we I kind of tried to compile compile the story the best that I could from a lot of different sources. So there's there's obviously stuff you can go do on your own if you want to research further and get your own opinion. As I mentioned, so.
2: And if you want to continue that conversation about the Amityville Horror, you can do that on our social medias. You can find us on Twitter at Gems underscore History. You can find Jacob at Jacob from Wisco and myself at WhatEvskys. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Patreon, and YouTube at Gems of History Podcast. Mark, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: That I really like this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really well done, Jacob. That was a great breakdown. Thanks, buddy. So, I mean, that research takes a lot of work. Both of you guys put the work in. That was so fun.
0: I'm glad to have you back for an episode. Yeah, that was a blast. The gang's
2: all back together. Yeah, wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yes, thank you to everyone who has supported us on Patreon so far. If you do want to go sign up, you can go to patreon.com gems of history podcast and sign up there. You'll get ad free episodes. You'll get. Access to monthly listener polls to try and or to pick episodes for that month and uh, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, otherwise, you can get in touch with us and the places Evan mentioned before. So, everyone, have a great week this week. We love you. Thank you for listening and stay polished.